It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Upfront program for this um, Friday morning, May 15, 2020. Middle of the month, May. Welcome. And uh, today we have uh, Bob Martin uh, with our uh, real estate question. And um, we were scheduled to have the Pawtucket mayor, Chris Boulay, is here. Uh, Chris, uh, what's the deal with him? He's not feeling well? Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. Uh, yes, uh, I got an email from the mayor this morning that he's a little bit under the weather, and he apologized to you, to me, and to our listeners, and he graciously offered to reschedule uh, as soon as possible. All right. Well, that doesn't mean we're not going to talk about a few of the uh, Pawtucket issues. You sent me an interesting... Was it... I think it was you about uh, the Paw Sox um, Stadium, right? Um, and uh, we will comment on that a little bit uh, later on in the show. And any other topics that you would like to talk about, feel free to uh, give us a call. All right. Let's take care of our first order of business on our live line each uh, Friday. We always like to say hello to uh, Robert Martin, or Bob Martin as we uh, know him, and our real estate question of the week. And let's make sure he's there and he's well. Bob, are you there? I am here, Roger, and I am well. I am glad to hear both. Good morning. Good morning to you. Here's our real estate question of the week for you. Um, I'm selling my house here in Woonsocket. It was built in 1910. I've been told by a friend that I need to have a water meter checked, and I may have to replace it. What's this all about? Our present water pressure is fine, and we've never had any trouble. So uh, what's the deal on this, Bob? Well, when you when you sell a home, you have to do um, a final what they call a final water reading, and that's in every community. Um, all of the communities, with the exception of Winsocket, um, you basically the homeowner can call in, and we the realtors go and read the meter, and it's an interim reading, and uh, uh, they issue a, a final, if you will, and then we transfer the ownership over to the new buyer. Uh, when Socket enforces the regulations in a more strict way, um, they will not let the homeowner call in. Um, you basically have to call the water department, make an appointment uh, with the, with one of their uh, their people. <clears throat> they uh, they virtually have to go into the basement. Not virtually. They they have to go into the basement. They inspect the meter. Um, and they want to make sure it matches with the readings on the outside. But furthermore, um, what they do is they inspect the entry line, if you will, the water line. And then home in 1910, there is a possibility that that line is lead. Uh, if, in fact, they detect that the water line is a lead line, um, they will, um, I say, force, require the homeowner to replace the lead line from what we call the curb stop, which is where the, the city owns the um, the water line and where it's shut off. And um, if it's a concrete sidewalk, the sidewalk has to be jackhammered. They have to dig down. Um, if they can pull the line out on occasion, they're able to and pull the copper line through. If not, they need a backhoe and uh, they need to excavate to the house, to the, the foundation. Um, so that's one of the things. If, in fact, the line is copper, which which hopefully it is, 
Um, then uh, if the meter is, is uh, below grade, so let's say it was in a pit, um, and if it's it, the requirement now in, in Woonsocket, and I guess I don't know if it's state or whether other people enforce it or not. Um, I know they don't, but whether it, it's state law, the meter has to be 12 inches above the slab of the concrete in the basement. Uh, it has to have a backflow preventer. It has to have an expansion tank. Um, and they require this. Either the money has to be escrowed or the work has to be done and reinspected before the closing. So it's uh, it's something that <clears throat> if if it's a copper line, you're probably looking at an expense depending on the plumber between eight and a thousand dollars. We found um, if it, in fact the line is lead, then who knows? It um, it depends that they have to excavate. I mean, we've seen people have to spend five thousand dollars to to replace the water line. Other times it's it is less. Um, so that's really what that person is being. Um, you know, told by his friend. So <clears throat> when we list the property, the first thing, one of the first things we do is we'll go in the basement and, you know, it's easier to see if it's a, a copper line. You just basically scratch it. And if it looks like copper, it is. If not, it's, it's very easy to tell. And, and again, if the meter is below grade, then we certainly inspect it and uh, we, we tell the owner that it, he's going to have to have it done. Um, it requires a plumber. Uh, but, uh, again, raising the meter and um, putting the expansion tank, the backflow preventer, it's not the end of the world. Hey, uh, Bob. The more costly is if they have to replace the line. Bob, I have a question for you. I'd like to get you in trouble once in a while, maybe. Uh, so um, yeah. the, the city of Woonsocket, I have heard years now speaking, is very stringent about this water meter stuff and so forth. Now, is it because... We have an older water system, and they have to be that way. Or is it because uh, maybe um, they don't have to be that way? They could be a little more flexible. Uh, would you care to go out on the limb on that, or are you going to uh, pull a... Um... <laughs> no, no, I, I will answer that, and hopefully if okay. anyone from the water department is listening, they take it. You know, it, it's, it's a nice improvement. Um, other communities have chosen not to enforce it. Uh, when Socket has chosen to enforce it, not saying they're wrong in enforcing it, but it does incur cost. But it is a way of, of upgrading the water system. Uh, what I've been told is the backflow preventer in the event of a fire could create negative pressure. And if somebody has polluted water in their house, it could come back. So is it a more costly thing? A absolutely. Are they wrong in asking for it? I'll answer diplomatically. No. Um, but, you know, every other community, and I would tend to think Central Falls, Pawtucket, and whatnot, are pretty much as old as Woonsocket, um, where we just basically call in the reading and the inspectors do not come out unless there's a, there's a, there's a problem, if you will, with, with the water coming into the house. So uh, does Woonsocket enforce the regs more stringently? Uh, absolutely. Um, are they statewide regs? I think they are. Um, and, and maybe you'll get a response from someone based on that. But, um, yeah, it is an additional cost to a seller in Woonsocket uh, if, in fact, they have to do the work that they would not have to do in another community. All right. Um, so, and, and in this particular time, too, with COVID, and this is temporary, I hope, um, because of, of COVID, the no city employees enter homes. So basically, if we do want a reading, even if the meter is good, 
we basically have to do a video like we have to do with the uh, uh, smoke inspection. So mm-hmm. we have to video from the outside and then go into the basement, um, indicate on the video what the reading is, lift the cover, and then back up and kind of do a panoramic shot. And then we email that to the water department. And then they're timely in returning, saying it's okay, or they'll ask a question. So that's just another, you know, added thing, which has nothing to do with, with what you, you would ask about. Most communities are doing that, uh, except in most communities, they never had to go in the, bottom of the basement anyway, and there's no video required. So okay. is it enforced more stringently in Wasaget? Yes, it has been. Thank you, Bob. Always a pleasure chatting with you about uh, real estate. And... Um all right, so I got one. This will be a short one here. Uh, so here it is, May 15th. Have you sold a house between May 1 and May 15th, or are house sales extremely slow? Uh, not extremely slow. Um, there's still a lack of inventory, and, and I think with the COVID, there are even fewer new listings. Although, you know, statewide, there were like 100 new listings yesterday. They seem to be more in the areas of the, the, you know, the Cranstons and the Warwicks, where, the, where there are more sales anyway. But, um, no, we uh, we actually wrote three contracts this week. Mm-hmm. Um, closings are still happening, but that was, you know, predicated. Those were things that happened really sure. before March. Sure. Uh, but, yeah, they've slowed up, but, you know, they haven't come to a grinding halt by any means. We are showing homes uh, carefully and uh, with, with seller and buyer's permission. So, no, the, the industry has not stopped. Thank you, Bob Martin. Always a pleasure chatting with you, and have a good day. Okay. Bye-bye. You too. If you'd like to reach Mr. Martin, you can. And uh, he's a phone call away at 766-7545, extension 111. 766-7545. He is Bob Martin, broker and owner of Crossroads Real Real Estate Group at 329 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. And thank you, Bob, for joining us today with our Real Estate Question of the Week. And thank you, Chris Boulay, for joining us today on our Upfront program. We're uh, both disappointed that uh, Mayor Grabian can't join us uh, today, but uh, we certainly hope that we'll reschedule him very soon because there are a few Pawtucket issues that are worth um, pursuing. Yeah, sometimes in life, 50% of your success is just showing up. So Now, you sent me a uh, email, Worcester Red Sox moved to... Polar Park in 2021, and this actually could be good mood, good news for Pawtucket. Uh, is there a news story out there that uh, backs that up, or did I misunderstand that story? And certainly was one of the questions from Mr. Gravian, that's for sure. No, um, with the coronavirus, a lot of construction has been ceased, and uh, the building of the new Polar Park is no exception, the new park that was going to be built in Worcester for our Pawtucket Red Sox. So it looks like from that, you can't, you know, there's a critical path that you got to follow with it. We're getting this thing built, and it looks like it will not be built in time for the 2021 season. So hence, if there is baseball that takes place in 2021, and I think most people feel it will happen, the Pawtucket Red Sox is going to have to go back hat in hand and play another season in Pawtucket. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like a breakup that continues for a couple of years. Now, do you think uh, that uh, the uh, Paw Sox organization and the, I know the state of Rhode Island probably uh, has no love lost be- between them. But what about the city of Pawtucket itself? 
and uh, Mayor uh, Grabian. What do you think his answer would have been if he would have been here that uh, they left uh, amicably? Because they have it. Uh, you know, if this didn't happen, they'd be playing baseball right now in Pawtucket. Well, as you would know and expect from me, I did prepare for the interview with the mayor, and I did some research this morning. And one of the things that goes back to late 2019 is Governor Gina Raimondo made a comment that Mayor Grebian was... Uh, uh, detrimental comments about the Pawtucket Red Sox and about Hasbro. And the mayor is very diplomatic. He's a very, very nice guy, very smooth. And he said politely that, no, that's not the case. So his public position on the businesses that were looking to leave Hasbro, potentially going and moving their headquarters to Providence based on the prompting of the governor and the Pawtucket Red Sox, privately, I think the mayor would say, the mayor of Pawtucket would say that he got no support from the speaker and no support from the governor. What he says behind closed doors and what he says publicly are two different things. So he's always going to take the high road, in my opinion. I've always seen him take the high road. So this has happened. And it's not going to be ready for 2021. And unless they want to play somewhere else, they're going to play another season at the in Pawtucket. So I think he's going to take the high road. Yeah, he's got uh, everything to gain, nothing to lose, right? Uh, nobody is getting a season whether it's a professional uh, baseball team in Boston or in Foxborough, they're not getting a season. Uh, well, uh, talking about Foxborough, um, maybe that should be a, a question I'll throw your way. Um, we're not seeing a baseball season right now based on some of the attitudes of the uh, players' uh, union, uh, the players in the union. Um, they uh, are taking a hard line, or some of them are. We may not see any baseball this year. But what about football? I mean, are we far enough out that we could see a season of football? And and also, is there enough money in the television rights uh, to make it uh, viable financially without um, without a full stadium? Well, Tommy Breen, our sports guru, can tell you that the Major League Baseball Union is the strongest in any sport. It's extremely, extremely strong, and the owners are almost secondary many times. All of the contracts are guaranteed, and you see some astronomical contracts, you know, $350 million over, over 10 years. Uh, that was the cost of a franchise, you know, 15, 20 years ago. The NFL union is much weaker than the Major League Baseball, and I think the NBA union comes in the middle, probably closer to Major League Baseball. So... I would opine that there probably will be a season. We've got a while to go. And again, I will never lose my optimism on a vaccine and a treatment uh, for this virus. And the football season starts in September. There was expectations that they were going to extend the season from 16 games to 17 games. And again, we don't want to make this a sports talk show. We'll leave that for other folks. And I know you're not a big uh, sports guy. But many years ago in the 50s there was a 12 game season and then up until 1978 there was a 14 game season so i don't think it would be odd well would be odd but i don't think it'd be unreasonable to say okay we'll have a 14 game season and we'll skip the first two and then there were discussions about maybe you have a 65,000 seat stadium like you have in gillette and potentially for the first few games until this calms down you might have seating on the odd seats and then the next game you might have seating on the even seats so season ticket holders which in the um 
Patriots situation is most of the tickets are season ticket holders. So that might get everybody a little bit of flavor that they'll get to, you know, see a game. So you have odd for one home game seats. You have even for another. So that's a possibility. But I think September, October, I, I do think we will have a, a, a season. But again, um, the owners will direct to the players, I think, much more uh, adamantly than the baseball owners will direct to the uh, to, to the to the players. So that's how I see it. Uh, let's go over our format for Fridays. Usually, we have a state senator or a state representative visit us and chat about uh, the issues of the day. However, uh, we um, we broke into a format with the mayor Grebian and. Um, and then he wasn't able to show up. So as a result, that has uh, made it an uh, open line conversation today. And so if you would like to bring up a topic, we're going to go to a commercial break. If you would like to bring up a topic, you're welcome to do that. And our telephone number is 766-1380. And the other telephone number is 769-0600. And your participation on any topic is welcome. This is the Upfront Program. There's a church nearby where members are kind and friendly. May we invite you to attend services at the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Services are now available on Facebook or Skype on the Internet. Call 658-2748 for information on seeing us online. It's the church where you can hear the gospel, believe in Christ, repent, confess, and be baptized. Join us this week for our prayer and Bible study, Wednesday at 7 p.m. and Sunday services at 1 p.m. Our sermons are understandable to grow you in faith and available online. Again, we are the Cumberland Church of the Lord Jesus Christ, inviting you on your journey of salvation, with services now available on Facebook and Skype. Services conducted by Pastor Marcus Warren. The wastewater treatment plant of the city of Woonsocket is reminding customers not to flush wipes of any kind into the system. And although the packaging might say flushable, they should never be flushed down the toilet. Only flush the three P's, poop, pee, and paper. Flushable wipes are not truly flushable. They might go down, but they do not break up like regular toilet paper. If you do use paper towels or wipes, throw them into your trash cans. Remember, wipes of any kind can clog our sewer systems and even harm your home's plumbing. The practice of flushing wipes is causing problems at the treatment plant and unnecessary expenses to the city of Woonsocket. This announcement presented by the Woonsocket Wastewater Treatment Facility. During the coronavirus situation, the use of signs has never been more important. And American Beauty Sign Works at 345 Providence Street has never been busier. Yes, a sign can help your business and direct your customers to do the right thing. Kurt, Desiree, and Oscar are ready to talk to you and help you find the right sign to tell your message. We have retractable signs, signs of all shapes and styles, and even those decals on the floor to indicate social distancing. So call American Beauty Sign Works now at 767. 2922 and get that right sign in front of your business. And we'll get it done quickly for you, too. Since 2006, American Beauty Sign Works, ready to work for you during these troubled times. American Beauty Sign Works, owned and operated by Vietnam veteran Oscar Hancock. There's a Woonsocket company that you should know about. It's called New Edge Lawns and Landscape. 
We are a full-service company. We offer general lawn maintenance services, including weed control, fertilization, mowing, of course, and taking care of your shrubs and hedges, dethatching, and we even do landscape lighting for you. But we do more than that. Call us for walkways, outdoor fire pits, patios, retaining walls, just to mention a few. And we do this for both residential and commercial customers. We're a local, family-owned business. So call Matthew and have him come over and give you an idea of what new edge lawns and landscape can do for your property. His number is 401-999-5236 and you're calling a Woonsocket-based company. We're experienced in both big and small jobs for all kinds of residential and commercial properties. Whatever your problem, your dream, or your need, we have a team ready for you. Call us today, 401-999-5236. Listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. All right, we're doing open line conversation. If you have something to talk about, our lines are empty right now. So, therefore, if you want to get in, you are welcome to uh, give us a phone call and we will chat with you on the subject of your choice. It is open line. All right, now we have other topics uh, that uh, have been uh, kind of uh, standing there. And uh, one of them is the, uh, is the newspaper industry. We can take a particular story that, that broke on Monday. Actually, I read it last Saturday morning. I remember sitting on my porch and reading Mr. Rosenberg, who is the, uh, I guess he's a big cheese right now, over at the Providence Journal, saying that the journal is not going to be running any, uh, shall we say, in-house editorials written by them. People still can write a letter to the editor. They can write an editorial piece, but no in-house journal editorials anymore. He was sad to announce it, but that's what they were going to do. Let's pick up on that. What's your thoughts, uh, Mr. Boulay? Yes, we did uh, touch upon it yesterday. And Mm -hmm. again, I find this information and this subject very sensitive in the sense that you know, you pay attention to this, you follow this very closely, you've taught me to pay attention to it as the media changes, just like you like the airlines and particularly like the trains. So I wanted to focus on it, and it is a big deal. So I mentioned yesterday Howard G. Sutton II, he was the publisher of the Providence Journal for about 15 years in the 80s and 90s. And he put in an editorial uh, submission, he no longer works for the paper, but it's my turn. Howard G. Sutton II. The Providence Journal has lost its soul. To paraphrase General Douglas MacArthur's farewell address to Congress in 1951, old publishers never die. They simply fade away. And he goes, there is an unwritten protocol that the publisher, Meredith, stays sanguine regarding the future of the enterprise and silent on newspaper issues. Well, he was not silent on this issue. He's very upset the fact that the um, Providence Journal no longer publish editorials. And he laments in a very... Um, intelligent way, obviously. He was a publisher of the paper. He's a good wordsmith. And he talked about what a dangerous precedent this is setting. And this, as you re- uh, recognized yesterday, you know, listenership had recognized this is a national story. So this is something there's no way that the journal was not going to publish. So it was his thoughts about it. And again, it's sad. We talked about the, pro- the Boston Globe, who has added three um, reporters to cover Rhode Island and the journal used to have scores and scores of reporters and I can't think of her name right now but there was a young lady for years who worked for the Providence Journal who used to go to every city council meeting for Winsocket so you had the Winsocket call there and this was 
probably before the Valley Breeze or just at the advent of the Valley Breeze. So you had two to three uh, reporters there covering everything. Well, they don't have that ability anymore. They're down to about 12 to 15 reporters statewide. They're just not going to be able to cover 39 states and towns, um, you know, town council or city council. So there was an article saying that the number of reporters will kind of meet somewhere that the Boston Globe, which is still a money loser, but they're, they're able to absorb this a little greater, are probably going to have a half dozen reporters. And then the Providence Journal will have a half dozen reporters. And we talked about before the journal has done some things that just aggravate you and you just don't want to give them your money. And they were very, very cocky. I was speaking to a colleague the other day. Is When I worked for Textron, this was before the internet the 1980s, you got a double whammy when somebody left and you had to fill a position. That person left, probably gave you two weeks notice, and you were facing an eleven to $1,200 bill in the Providence Journal to put out a help wanted ad. You know, maybe... 50, 60 words, and it's going to cost you $1,200. Well, the Internet has changed everything, where now they're advertising Help Wanted for $25, and it runs forever on the Internet. Mm. And some newspapers have changed. The New York Post has advertising, but they depend on having public hits where there is no paywall. So you go to the New York Post. I love to go to the New York Post. And, of course, they put out a lot of garbage because they're pressed to refresh it every day. So they're refreshing their content three to four times a day. But there's no paywall. And then you look at the Providence Journal and they have a paywall. And I'm not a cheap person. I think I'm a generous person. And I go and I see that $16 a month, whatever it is, and shame on me. You, you, you know, you've said you, we, we want the journal to succeed, and I don't want to pay that $16. There's just a lot of animosity towards the papers. And then we can talk about the fact that we love the Winsocket Call. We want to see it succeed. I am a financial supporter of the call. The people who get the call see my ads in there from time to time. And, and I, but, again, there's a recap, and we can talk about this. There's a recap on the front page of the budget of the city of Woonsocket not increasing. And again, they had another chance to get it right, and it's a regurgitation of the prior day's page three article. So you, you see those things, and it gets very, very frustrating, and it's a business that you get tired of supporting, and, and you always find excuses. Uh, I'll end with this. I think we have a, do we have a caller? Oh, they, they drop. But, you know, 15, 20 years ago, you had a quarter of a million people in the state of Rhode Island subscribing to the Providence Journal with a po- population of a million. We still have a population of a million, and they're probably down to 30,000, 40,000 subscriptions. So they haven't kept up with the times. So the man who um, wrote the editorial is Howard G. Sutton, and uh, as Chris explained, he was the publisher in the heyday uh, when there were hundred actually hundreds of reporters in the newsroom uh back in uh, 1999 anyway uh and it was um a whole different story back then at the providence journal and he wrote this piece that appeared in the providence journal so i give them credit for um because basically what he said is that the journal has lost its soul and that's being said in the providence journal and sometimes i, I know uh, i sit here Sometimes listening to Larry on Saturday morning and there's a guy who used to work here and he always is knocking the radio station. And I'm saying, why the hell is this happening on the radio station? You know, why is this guy on the air? Why are we letting this guy on the air knock us to crap? And uh, he used to work here. 
Uh, but sometimes I guess that's the price of journalism. You have to accept the criticism in your own backyard, as stupid as uh, sometimes I think uh, I am for letting it happen. But anyway, in the article, Mr. Sutton says, and I think this is the, the heart of the story, the loss of this voice for the people of Rhode Island is a sad chapter in the storied history of the journal, and I fear that the story is nearing its conclusion. Bang the drum slowly and play the pipe lowly. And I think Mr. Sutton, the former publisher, is predicting in those lines. Here's the, the story again. I feel that the story is nearing its conclusion. I think he's predicting the um, demise of the Providence Journal right there in the Providence Journal editorial. And uh, when the, did that show up by Wednesday or uh, or yesterday, that piece by Mr. Sutton? Um, I can pull it up. Yep. It was a couple of days May 11th. Ago. May 11th okay. is when it showed up. Anyway... Uh, I don't know. Maybe the uh, whether the Providence Journal survives or not might be a non-issue to uh, uh, people of, of Rhode Island. I can think of a lot of people uh, that I come in cr- contact every day that um, that would be um, nothing. Oh, the Providence Journal stopped publishing. Okay, yeah. Uh, and uh, is it going to rain today? So maybe maybe it's just because we're in the business, or at least I'm in the business, that I pay attention to that and I see how bad a thing that is for Rhode Island. But yeah. maybe it isn't. Well, I just received a text that reminded me of a, of a great person from the province, uh, Kathy Gregg. And I have invited her over the years to come on the airways. She's very, very interesting, and she's always politely declined. She says, I want to be behind the scenes. and and uh, But she's one where... I would email her about questions about her articles, and she'd always get back to me almost within the hour. And so you think about the quality of that kind of person. And you, know, you have the senators and reps and the mayors and, and what have you. Uh, she's very respected uh, in that group and very, very fair. And that's the kind of person that when you have a contraction that the Providence Journal and other newspapers are, in, are enduring... Um, You're going to lose quality like that. And then, again, we've got to also go back to the Washington Post. I know it frustrates some people who read the Wasaka Call and it makes others happy. But there's so much content uh, taken from the Washington Post. And the Washington Post is owned by the richest man in the world, Jeff Bezos. And he paid $250 million for the paper. And he does not care if the paper loses money or not, that paper is a political weapon against President Trump, and it's to put out the Amazon agenda by and large. So we talked about this during 2015. They hired about 156 reporters for the sole purpose of getting Donald Trump because Donald Trump uh, really dislikes Amazon, and he disliked the fact that they weren't paying sales tax and they had an unfair advantage. So that is kind of going by the wayside. Anyone who orders things right now on Amazon will see that if you order something in Rhode Island as clothing, there is no sales tax. If you order something that's um, uh, an item, you do pay sales tax. So the president pushed that agenda, and then the states obviously followed. They needed the revenue. If you sit in a journalism class in 2020 and you have a good journalism teacher... They're going to tell you that the companies that are moving the news these days are not NBC or CBS or Fox. It is Amazon, it is Yahoo, and it is Google. Those are the emerging news sources. And, um, and so uh, if you get your news from them, 
well, God help us that you can trust them <laughs> as uh, bona fide and legitimate sources because they weren't in the news business when they first went into the business they went into. Uh, they were um, they were something else altogether back in a moment. Kayer Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number is 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kasha to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. Door service continues at Champs Liquor Sukiway on Clinton Street in Woonsocket. We may have door service, but we also have great specials on wine and beer. Champs Liquors for Keyway, 481 Clinton Street, Woonsocket. Still on sale, Tisdale Wines from California. In six varieties, including a Pinot Grigio, Merlot, Cabernet, White Zinfandel, Chardonnay, and a Moscato. And yes, it's still two bottles for $10. Share in life's endless possibilities with Tisdale Vineyards of California. Quality wine. And the sale goes on. On, on Kettle Vodka, $32.99 for the 1.75 liter bottle. And Bacardi Rum, the 1.75 liter bottle is only $23.99. And we continue the best price in town on Bud and Bud Light, 30 pack, $25.50 plus tax. Champs Liquors for Keyway does high rise and senior complex delivery service too. Champs Liquors for Keyway, Clinton Street, Woonsocket. All right, and they are uh, open for doorside service. Uh, champs, you open the door, and uh, or they'll open the door. Somebody will come to the door and take your order, and uh, and they'll even put it in your car for you. That champs liquors for Keyway. All right, stay safe during these times. It's time to uh, get back to the upfront program. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Okay, the panel is ready to convene here in the studio. We have a caller waiting, and we have some other topics uh, waiting. Now, now I uh, went to uh, went for a little ride last Saturday, Chris, and drove by Emerald Square Mall, and and, uh, and there it was, empty. Uh, Macy's empty, J.C. Penney empty, no cars. So uh, you've got a story where uh, one of those stores... May not even see the light of day again, huh? Yeah, there are statistics that stand out in my head that I, I think are meaningful or otherwise I would not repeat them on the radio. And one of them is that there is a glut of retail space in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And the only way you can kind of figure that out is to juxtapose it against other countries around the world. And there currently right now is 24 square feet of retail space in America for every man, woman, and child, so per capita. 24 square feet. And the next two countries are Australia and Canada with 12 and 11 square feet respectively. So forgetting about the coronavirus, there's just too much glut. And then you look at the Amazons of the world. And the Amazon specifically taking over a lot of retail sales. So right now... In April, retail sales plunged a record 16.4%, and it was expected to be a 12.3% drop. Well, that's not to be unexpected because of what's going on. But one of the casualties of this coronavirus, and based on the prior information, I would submit would have been a casualty anyway, is J.C. Penney. 
There's a report on the CNBC website that J.C. is planning to file for bankruptcy as early as today. And I think uh, you explained it well in saying that even under the best of conditions, strip away coronavirus and just have the regular spring retails. They really needed a lot of traffic to survive, period. Then throw this into it. How can they even think about surviving, right? Yes. Hello there. Um, good morning. Uh, how are you both this morning? Fantastic. I should like to make a couple comments, please. And we should like to hear them. Thank you so much. Um, you were talking a little bit earlier about the um, demise of editorials in the Providence Journal. And it really is a shame that um, the paper is sort of sabotaging itself by taking on that policy because an editorial standpoint is always um, an appropriate one. Whether you agree with it, the standpoint or not, it sets forth the beginning of a dialogue within a community, and I think that's important. So that being said, I think one of the reasons that things have changed so much with readership is the demographic shift here in Rhode Island in particular, because if you have Providence being a sanctuary city and the state almost being a sanctuary state and other communities, including Woonsocket, um, having a large shift in demographic and that many of the people that are within our communities don't read English. So they're not going to buy a subscription to a paper that, quite frankly, is irrelevant to their needs. Mm -hmm. So I think, I think in a way, um, some of our papers have sabotaged themselves from a marketing perspective by not addressing the needs of whatever community is surrounding them. I, I, I recall um, when I was in college having to read a, a um, Norwegian newspaper published out of Brooklyn, New York. But um, the news was always late, and um, I got a subscription to it, and it was always kind of like, okay, that's fine. And eventually what happened is the next generation who did not speak Norwegian finally died out, and therefore so did the publication. But right now... In Providence and Rhode Island and in Woonsocket, we have a large Spanish-speaking um, contingent of people. And the publications are not addressing their needs. No, no question. One of the things I prepared uh, for Mayor Grebian is the fact that there's a collaborative with Central Falls. And the police are going around neighborhoods that are predominantly Spanish-speaking and they're doing announcements about COVID-19. Mm-hmm. So whether it's true or not, there's a feeling by these leaders, and it's probably true, that there's a disconnect on the English language. You know, that's not their primary language, that they might be missing important information. So you extrapolate that to the newspapers, and your point is extremely well taken. Right, and, and the point is, is that, you know, you have to give people what they want. Otherwise, they're not going to buy it. That's all I want to say. Thank you. Have right. a good day. Thank you. And, and to, to follow up on Chuck's point... The other thing that is getting missed is you've got legitimate, I consider the Valley Breeze, the Woonsocket Call, and the Province General legitimate business sources. So if there is something that's controversial and it affects me, I, you know, and Russ Oliver was doing a story, he's probably going to call me and get my side of the story. I don't know if you remember in 2013 when Go Local Prov um, got involved in the Leo Fontaine, Lisa Bodelli Hunt uh, campaign. 
back then it was like 2013 before the election and i remember that um i want i knew leo was going to lose but i wanted to support him so what i did was i said okay let me buy some airtime for him and wnri well leo's um campaign manager forgot to choose the um option of the activity in his campaign so the Lisa Baldelli Hunt administration picked up on that. There was zero activity, and there was some activity by the burrito company. It was activity by me. So the, Provident, the um, Go Local Prov did a story on it, and they never called me. So it said Chris Boulay was hiding campaign contributions to uh, Leo Fontaine, which was the furthest thing from the truth. But a legitimate news source would have called me and got my side of the story. The, pro, the Go Local Prov did not do that. They wanted to support Lisa and against Leo. And um, I got in that crosshairs. So when you get your name dragged to like that, you would expect a legitimate news source to call you, and they did not. Got an email from a listener wanted to know where does Woonsocket stand in terms of positive uh, coronavirus cases. And uh, we have that information. It's available every day. And um, so we are eighth in the state. Providence, Pawtucket, Cranston, Central Falls, North Providence, East Providence, Warwick. Woonsocket is eighth. And we have 454 uh, positive um, cases of coronavirus. 454. Now, I just want to give you a perspective. There are 43,000 people approximately in Woonsocket. Ten percent of that population would be 4,300. And one percent of that population would be 430. And Woonsocket has 454 positive identifications of the coronavirus so therefore one percent of the population that the I mean, we we certainly could test a lot more people here that's for sure but right now one percent has tested positive and i certainly hope that that answers our emailer and we'll get to um, a subject about uh, whether the governor has as uh, one person says unbridled use of her orders says uh Former Rhode Island Supreme Court Justice uh, Bob Robert Flanders. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Right now, let's talk to this listener. Hello, hello. Oh, good morning, everybody. Uh, I agree with the previous caller that said, you know, the papers are sabotaging themselves. I know somebody that uh, did an obituary for a family member. Uh, just a couple of paragraphs, it was over $800, and I said, why didn't you mention the person's college uh, degrees, the volunteer for years on the volunteer fire department, all that. They said if they went two or three lines more, it would have been over $1,000. Years ago, they used to do the obituaries, the weddings, the engagements. They had a lot of local news, and they're not doing that anymore or they charge too much money uh back a while ago there was a wedding and i read it i don't know the people but it's interesting and that's where i think they're dropping the ball yeah that's um that's basically the last source of revenue and you're right i've seen i've experienced that where it, you, you put it in all the words that you want to say to a loved one and it is a thousand dollars i've experienced that yeah, you know, I, I think they'd make up for more people subscribing to the newspaper if, and they w- would be able to, char- you know, charge much less or nothing at all, and then uh, 
they'd make it up the other way. That's that's what I think. You kind of uh, brought me down memory lane for a half a second when you were talking about uh, the printing of... um of uh, engagements and obituaries, and it reminded me of a quote-unquote, and a younger audience will never remember this, the Society Page. <laughs> Do you remember that, Helen? Um, oh, where no. The Society Page would be that page where you had um, people who were going on vacation and where they went, people who uh, were getting engaged, uh, whether there was a, uh, a, a shower or in Woonsocket what we call a double shower. Or a greenback shower. Greenback, yeah. Or they, <laughs> or they used to sell tickets. I couldn't believe that when I moved to one socket. Yeah, I think that's why. Right, I think that's why it doesn't ring a bell with you because you you were a Central Falls, Pawtucket type person, and and we had a society page uh, here in the Woonsocket call, and uh, I can remember um, I remember my mother reading it. Uh, you know, that would talk about um, the whist parties at Our Lady Queen yeah. of Modest. <laughs> church and things like that uh that kind of stuff uh that's the thing of the past but uh thank you that's very much they, for your call that's where they written themselves see, have a good day see you later. Bye-bye. bye-bye the society page you remember those i i do i am old enough to remember that there's no question <laughs> all right uh, so uh, so um just a just a brief note on this i just want to see if anybody's interested but uh a reti- rhode island's retired Supreme Court Justice uh, says that business owners and, and maybe some other people will, will challenge Governor Raimondo's executive orders. And whether she followed the law as she wielded power in the last couple of months, Bob Flanders, who ran for uh, governor, incidentally, uh, and served on the state's high court from 96 to 2004, questioned Raimondo's unbridled use of her orders during the crisis to restrict religious rights economic liberty, and other constitutional freedoms. And I know that Larry Poitras' program has been full of people who have been talking about that very issue, saying that she's just has gone too far. And, of course, her argument is, well, you may feel that way, but my job is to protect the public safety of the residents of Rhode Island. That's just, her argument. Just, uh, just point of clarification, uh, Judge Flanders ran, ran for Senate. Senate, yes, uh, yeah. thank you. Yes, a uh, uh, mistake. I don't want your e- uh, email, email to, uh, box to get full. No, <laughs> I don't. I appreciate that. If we were to uh, interview uh, Mayor Grebian, one of the things that was on my list is that he presented a budget with no tax increase for the next upcoming year, despite the coronavirus hit. Mm-hmm. And he has that in common with the... Uh, Mayor of Warwick, Joe Solomon, who also submitted a budget with no tax increase. So it's nice to have no tax increase in the city of Woonsocket, but it's not. Uh, un- it seems to be not uncommon in the state. Uh, more than not, it appears that most of the communities are submitting little or no tax increase. So it's nice not to have an increase, but also there's growth here as well as growth everywhere. And there's also the phase out of the car taxes. I know all of the uh, town managers and mayors and town administrators were told to budget for the tax reduction of the car tax despite the coronavirus. So that represents a levy reduction in the city of Winsocket of $600,000. And we talked about it yesterday. There's also a windfall of $500,000 coming from Landmark in a payment lieu of taxes. So that's $1.1 million that the city is receiving that makes the lowering, it, which is basically 98% of the reason why the, uh, the levy is not increasing. 
So this tax decrease by the mayor for real estate and commercial, uh, private real estate and commercial, um, 1%. So uh, if you paid $1,000, it's going to go down 1%. But here's where I think this is going to be vetted out. The Mayor Solomon of Warwick and Mayor Gribian of Pawtucket and Mayor Bodelli Hunt of Woonsocket, they're all in re-election campaigns uh, for November. And so, naturally, if I were running for mayor, I would try to come up with a budget with a tax decrease. However, this is not Roger Bouchard's job or Chris Boulay's job to analyze uh, the budget of the mayor and and tell voters this is a legitimate tax decrease and we're going to get hit with uh, 7% the year after when it's non-election year. This is the job of John Brian uh, and, and others who are in city government who are supposed to be looking at this budget. So Mr. Brian will be running against Mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt. He's going to take apart that budget and tell us that uh, the reason that uh, we're getting a 1% uh, decrease is is because we're going to get an 8% increase the year after. Or maybe not, you know. But it is, um, it's a political season, and that's what campaigns are uh, made of, uh, material like that. So um, we'll see how uh, the campaign uh, lays itself out. And I think that um, uh, Mr. Brian has got uh, his, uh, his work cut out for him in terms of explaining to us whether this is good news and we should be celebrating a 1% decrease or whether it's a smokescreen. But that's for him to do. Yes, but I, I have a microphone every Thursday, sometimes Thursday and Friday. And if you feel uh, qualified to opine, I do have an accounting degree and a finance degree. Well, and I wasn't and saying I you shouldn't have an opinion. I'm just saying if John Brian wants to be mayor, uh, it's his job to, uh, to make sure that we understand that, uh, that tax decrease. Yes, and I think... If you want to take the high road as a candidate uh, in all the city council, you know, make the budget better and do it for the benefit of the city and the taxpayers. You know, it's pay me now or pay me later. And we talked about this. The town of Lincoln has a 11% reserve. So they're getting hit with the fact that Twin River is closed, but it's not so bad because they're putting the money away. And we talked about it. I think Tiverton did not take the advice of uh, Joe Armand and they started budging 100% of the money. My understanding is the city of Woonsocket has about a 4% um, reserve. So we want to be in a better financial shape. And the other question I would have for the, for the, for the mayor, uh, Grabian, is what is his opinion on the money being cut by, in the governor's budget by uh, the state for distressed communities? And there, there are seven of them. And at some point, you've got to grow up and not be a distressed community. And what would be his plan to do that? And maybe that a mayor's uh, tenure should be four years, give he or she more time to put these things together and not have to put together a budget that appears taxpayer-friendly every other year because you're in an election year. Uh, to put a final note on the uh, budget, there will be a public hearing on this budget, and a lot uh, probably will be said then, or, or little, I don't know, depends on who turns out. May 26th. At 7 o'clock. The only difference with this public hearing is a Zoom public hearing. I hate that stuff, incidentally. Uh, 
Have you done anything by Zoom yet? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's right. tough. The more people you get right. in, the harder it is. And, uh, right. you know, I guess it's better than nothing. Right. We, t- we talked about that. One month, 20 million people were using Zoom. And then the next month during the vi- virus situation, about a quarter of a billion people monthly were using it. Well, when this all disappears, and I hope it does, I hope Zoom disappears, too. <laughs> we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye, everybody. This has been WNRI's Upfront. Presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.